Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. It's a way of life. Everybody fits in. I think everybody's trying to fit in somehow. If it wasn't for Mad Max and then Wasteland, we all wouldn't be here right now. You know the vengeance of the Lord among us. This type of passion? cannot fake passion like that. I had no idea that there was other people as weird as I am. It's up to each and every one of us to have that determination to push ourselves through. It fills people's lives, it makes them happy. And that's Mad Max. Dreamed about this is all I wanted to be, and here I am living that life. I never thought one day that I would go back to the wasteland. Maybe the last thing I do. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 404. Set to have its world premiere on the 5th of February is Beyond the Wasteland, a documentary that explores and celebrates the mad fans of Mad Max, the Australian classic that made Mel Gibson a star, George Miller a sought-after director, and has amassed a cult following all over the world. Featuring interviews with cast from the 1979 Mad Max film, as well as with fans from the US, Japan, France, and beyond that. Beyond the Wasteland also delves into the impact Mad Max has had on pop culture. And joining me now is the director and producer of Beyond the Wasteland, Eddie Bayruthi. Eddie, I thank you so very much for joining me today. Matt, thank you so much for your time. I really, I really appreciate your support. And uh, yeah, that's um, yeah, it's good, good to be here. Well, absolutely. I mean, I'm right now, I'm wearing my, my uh, Mad Max shirt. I'm ready to talk about Beyond the Wasteland, all things Mad Max. But before we do, I, I think it may be a good time now to just talk about the upcoming world premiere, which is on um, Saturday, 5th of February at the Coburg Village Driving. Um, and also after that, you're going to do a bit of a tour, aren't you? Just going to different cities uh, around the country to a bit of Q&A uh, and presenting the film. Is that correct? That's correct, Matt. Yeah. So so we, um, you know, we're, we're really, really excited to to premiere the documentary at the Coburg Drivings and the Coburg Drivings. Uh, you know, is a is a is a place that we all know and and love, and you know, I'm sure we've had you know many experiences, you know, over the last you know three four decades, um, and uh, it's it's featured in the documentary as well. So you know, we we've always had this idea of wanting to premiere the documentary and you know create as much as much nostalgia as we could, you know, as far as you know being at the drive-ins, you know, a nice summer's night, uh, you know, watching watching a documentary, you know, about the fans of of a franchise that 
really put Australia on the map. Um, and at the same time, you know, through uh, the support of, uh, through distribution with Umbrella Entertainment and Monster Pictures, uh, who are handling all the marketing and the tour for us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've had a, we've got a series of special event screenings uh, that we're touring around the country. Um, and I'm sure, Matt, you'll be able to, um, you know, plug that as far as uh, the, the dates, but um, pretty much uh, it's all on the, on our Facebook, Beyond the Wasteland documentary, um, and also on Umbrella Entertainment and Monster Pictures social media and website uh, and yeah we're really excited to to spread the word you know it's it's, uh, it's been a long time coming you know we we shot this and produced it and completed it uh throughout 19 and you know the better half of 2020 um and spent some time you know really getting it uh you know to, to, a, to a level that we were happy with uh but at the same at the same time it's ready to be released and ready to you know embrace the film industry and the mad max culture so yeah yeah we're super excited so for everyone out there listening, I will have kind of links in my show notes to like those up um, to the Facebook page and to the Umbrella website as well. I have all the tour dates and everything there um, because I do want people to really check out this documentary because I am a, I'm a big Mad Max fan. I, I really am. Um, you know, I remember the first time I saw, I think I might have been eight or nine, I saw Mad Max Part 2 in the good old days of VHS. Um, and I think I didn't see it from the start, but I remember especially the first time I saw um, the character of Wes played by Vernon Wells so uh, so iconically. Um, and just that character, really just such a scary-looking uh, character in the whole movie. It was just so different than anything else I've seen before. And um, it's like one of those kind of impressions that really stuck with me in kind of like my cinema uh, movie-watching uh, journey. Um, what about you yourself, Eddie? What was the first kind of memories you have of, of Mad Max um, that, you, uh, can you, that you can recall? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, look. I, I was born in the mid '80s, so it took me a couple of years to, to you know, <laughs> to, to adjust to, uh, you know, the world that we were born into. Um, and um, you know, I, I remember seeing it in the early. It was probably early to mid '90s. Um, so it's, you know, sort of ten years after, you know, a good ten years after, um, uh, you know, just a bit over that. And um, I remember seeing this film. Uh, you know, I've always been a fan of Mel Gibson and Mel mm. Gibson's work. And um, and you know, just. Um, yeah, it was on VHS as well. I remember that. Uh, and it was just, you know, these, these uh, guys in, you know, these police officers and guys in black leather, you know, really cool costumes. And they were just, you know, uh, f- you know, flying through the highways and the desert and, you know, and red earth. And, um, and they were just, you know, out there trying to catch these bad guys. And, and then, you know, after, I mean, I was still young, I was still trying to adjust to it all. And, you know, then, then, you know, you, you had Terminator 2 and you had, you know, <laughs> a few other, you know, films and, you know, all the, all the John Claude Van Damme films. And, um, but yeah, it was a, it was an interesting and, um, experience. And I, I never knew it was an Australian film. It was always, uh, thought it was, you know, you know, like Australia doesn't do these sort of films. They all come from the US. But then when right. we, when I found out, you know, uh, you know, when I did a bit of, re- you know, research, found out, you know, but, uh, yeah, it just sort of stuck in, you know, stuck to me. And, and I was proud to see that we, uh, you know, like the land down under and the guy, you know, the land that's just, you know, tucked away in the corner of the globe, you know, was was capable of, of you know, producing films, you know, you know and especially because I've always been a fan of, you know, post-apocalyptic and, you know, dystopian and, you know, end of the world and futurist, you know, uh, futuristic type of films um, and stories. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was definitely an experience. Um, and, uh, yeah, since then, it's, you know, it's always sort of been, you know, it's always a seed that's, you know, um, really sort of you know uh, i guess it was it was good to appreciate and acknowledge that something as small as mad max has made you know a major impact on on the international stage and that's what we're proud of as as australians and as, as as filmmakers as well interesting thing about this documentary is that its beginnings i think it was like 2018 we started working on it 
at first the documentary is going to be more kind of like of a personal um, journey um, with Bertrand uh, Kadar, who um, yep. was uh, he, he the late Bertrand Kadar, who played the role of Clunk in the 1979 Mad Max movie. So for those who don't know, it was kind of like more of the you know, to put it in other words, the kind of like the simpleton member of the gang. Some people kind of describe him as sort of like a four-year-old, you know, you know, like an adult's body. He's got the crowbar and all that and all that kind of stuff. And so originally you were going to follow his journey um, during what would have been his kind of like last years. Um, and then that journey will take him from Queensland to Victoria, I imagine, to that um, 2019 40th anniversary of the, like, like the Mad Max kind of um, uh, anniversary party. Um, how did that kind of kind of expand to, to the documentary that, that well, people will be watching in, in a few weeks into today? Yeah, of course, mate. Um, so yeah, so we um, so I had a I've known Bertrand for quite a while, for you know, almost fifteen years. Um, and he called me in August of two thousand nineteen, and you know, it's I'll call him Mr. B, and he'll call me Mr. E, and you know, you had this sort of thing. So he's like, you know, Mr. E, I hope you're sitting down, and you know, I've got a project for you. Um, it's you know, it's it's a it's a documentary, and it's a journey that I want to. You know, go on from, and I want to drive from Queensland to Melbourne, and then you know, experience all the um, 40th anniversary Mad Max celebrations that were going on uh, in 2019. And then I sort of sat down and I had a chat to Phil Lambert, who's my producing partner and business partner. And we thought, okay, look, it's um, you know, it's definitely an interesting story. And um, as far as a journey, uh, and you know, um, and I had known Bertrand had always been a fan of Mad Max outside of playing a very minor role you know in a toe cutter gang you know and he's you know known as a crowbar man and but he also designed the fairings uh for the motorbikes and that was mm -hmm. something special that, that really you know had a place in his heart um and we sort of you know researched and uh, started to reaching out to the mad Max community and then you know after a couple of weeks we realized hang on a sec this is bigger than what we thought it was you know it's not just a couple of fans gathering it's um there's a whole world you know there's a tribe of mad max fans from around the world um so it kind of opened up all these opportunities um and that, you know, we always had a scripted project, you know, and we had a structure, but what I wanted to do was I wanted to follow Bertrand's journey and I wanted Bertrand to lead the way. And as Bertrand led the way and we, you know, we sort of flew to Queensland, had a couple of interviews there and then drove, you know, over a series, you know, a court, over the course of, you know, nine or 10 days to Melbourne and did some pit stops. We, we, we met so many amazing people and Australians and just people, you know, from, from around the world. Um, and it just grew from there, you know, once by the time we got to the Maryborough Mad Max 40th anniversary celebrations, we met people from overseas, uh, Jim Tank and Yoshi and Malvin and um, Robbie from Italy wasn't, um, he, had, he had never been to Australia, but he was part of the Mad Max international community. Um, and then we learned about Wasteland Weekend and it just grew and grew and grew. And we thought, hang on a sec, this is um, this is something that the, the rest of the world needs to know about because this is really special, you know, it's a, it's a it's an international, you know, the, uh, the Mad Max was always, you know, the, the seed was always planted in Australia, but there's people have their own pieces of the wasteland around the, you know, around the world. Um, and it just grew from there. So, and Bertrand never knew about the Silverton Mad Max 2 celebration. So that was, at, the, at, at the time it was just 38 years, um, mm. but, you know, they're, they're always back to back every couple of years. That would happen sometimes every year, but obviously with COVID they've just been delayed. Um, and so once we finished the Maryborough, and the Clunes, you know, procession and the celebrations, I said to Bertrand, look, we're going to go on a trip to, a road trip to Silverton. You know, you're not done with me yet. You know, you're not going home. And and he was a bit, you know, surprised. And so, but, you know, I wanted him to, um, he was obviously diagnosed with stage four leukemia. So he knew he was on a bit of a timer. Um, yeah. But his heart and his spirit and his dedication uh, just, you know, was was unbelievable. You know, he was, he was a, he was this, you know, 
powerful figure that just wanted to get out there and explore and and you know really live um, you know with everything that he has had achieved in his life. Mad Max always had a very very special place in his heart, and he wanted to you know make an impression and go out there and speak to people. and And it, it didn't matter that he played a small role. You know he, he didn't really care about that. He just he was just proud to be you know part of a franchise that really settled, that really celebrated life outside of the borders of the wasteland. Um, and yeah, and it just grew from there. And then, you know, we had the, uh, we all, we always wanted to endeavor to travel overseas, but we you know obviously it's a very, very big world and we wanted to meet the right people that represented Mad Max as a super fan. You know, that's, that was always the, the thing. Um, and yeah, and the rest is history. We just traveled and uh, Bertrand didn't um, travel with us. He, you know, his health didn't allow him to, to hit the road for six weeks, but um Otherwise, yeah, he he led the way, and and you know this is his legacy. You know this is something that um and each and every person knew Bertrand and had a had some sort of connection with Bertrand. Um, and yeah, and it's uh it's it's a very you know inspiring documentary, um, and I, ho- I really hope people enjoy it. So that's gonna yeah, it's it's definitely it's not a, you know. It's really interesting in that the franchise of of Mad Max. I mean, I knew Mad Max had fans, yeah. But I didn't know that I had that kind of dedication to that, say, Star Wars would have or Star Trek would have, where you have people kind of dress up in the characters. They create the cards. They create the cards, excuse me. Because when I watch Mad Max, it's just such a gritty kind of eccentric, just kind of this world of lever and mohawks and mutants and these petrol-gusting cars of death. I was really surprised it was such a, a dedicated fan base to this kind of story because you think that even though the story does have to deal with heroes and villains and good and evil and all the different type of themes as well, it just seems so kind of like much more violent to kind of like more kind of like action figure kind of things. You know, I don't ever remember buying like a Mad Max uh, action figure when I was a kid, you know, like they didn't have that marketing appeal behind it that a lot of these pop culture movements have. Were you kind of surprised as well? They were such a dedicated fan base or just had such a global impact? Definitely, Matt. Uh, look, I was very, very, very surprised, and so was Phil and the entire crew. Um, we knew that, you know, it's, and I think what we found out very quickly was that as um, as good as Mad Max is as a film and as a story, and you know, and and it, rep- it doesn't necessarily represent the Australian culture because when you know where you know it does in many other ways, you know, it does in 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 ways of. You know, it, it, it just brought all these niche groups together, you know, brought these, you know, car enthusiasts and, you know, rev heads and guys that love their Holdens and Fords. And we all know the never-ending battle of Holden versus Ford. Um, mm. And it, it brought people from, you know, um, the motorcycle scene. It brought people from the punk rock scene, from the rock and roll scene, from from all these different scenes. And it brought them all together. You know, as you said, there was, you know, the, the Mohawks from Mad Max too, you know. Um, and there's a mention of that. And there's a mention of all these sort of subcultures coming in together. And then it brought in uh culture you know cultures and backgrounds and enthusiasts from inter- from the international stage you know from japan you know the kawasaki bikes that was um that was huge for the you know and it was at the it was at the perfect time but you know when when that was going on you know i mean there was always the other side of things where you know we we, we briefly highlight the 73 74 oil crisis and you know we're, we're experiencing similar things today you know where there's a possibility of shortage on oil and fuel and and you know resources and all this sort of stuff and but i think also the the most amazing part was that there was it allowed people and the fans to to almost relive that sort of film and you know and and be a part of it in a more intimate way in a more you know um, in 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 a form of escapism you know we've all got everyday jobs but you know we want to 
you know, we, we all love to be film characters and, and you know, dress up and play roles and, you know, role play and cosplay. And, and, and it really just, um, I think it made us all proud, not, not just as Australians, but as people of, of, of the world, you know, it made us proud to, to, um, to, you know, sort of be a part of a franchise. And I'm sure it's possible with, with many other films, um, but, you know, Mad Max and the Outback and, you know, the, um, the, the cars and the costumes, it, it, give, it gave, it, it definitely gives our super fans the opportunity to, to live and breathe the Mad Max world, you know, the, the wasteland. And that's what, we, that's what we wanted to try and capture. And I think we've done that, uh, you know, to the best of our abilities. So, yeah. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed T-shirts and pop culture gear from your favourite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews channel is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. You know, it's one thing where you have fans who are dressing up like their favourite characters from a particular movie. It's quite another thing when you have someone dressed like Lord Humongous with the mask and then all that skin. And then what this is just, a, it's a sight to behold, definitely. And the man who did that, uh, especially in documentary, was Jim Tank Dorsey, who's from uh, New Jersey, uh, big time Mad Max fan. He used to dress like Max, but then he moved over to Lord Humongous. Even DJs as Lord Humongous, which is funny enough. Um, he says it's his uh, biggest source of, uh, um, of, um, of um, uh, finance, um, which is funny. When you come across someone like Jim, and you see him in full gear, so to speak, even though there's not a lot of gear uh, really to, to, to see. What's your reaction to that? Because some people might think, geez, I'm not going to get anywhere near that. Like, but by all accounts in the, in the documentary, so he's a wonderful bloke. Yeah, um, look, Jim Tank Dorsey, I've spent, you know, we spent quite a bit of time with Jim in Australia and in the US. He's the most incredible, big-hearted, loving person uh, most dedicated, inspirational. I could go on and on about how what Jim's like, and um, what what I found was that somebody like Jim representing uh, representing a you know a, a franchise and a culture and a, and a cult and a following. Um, he he just brings out his passion when when Jim puts on that mask and puts on the costume, and I, I say that proudly for every single you know Mad Max fan and cosplay we met. They just become another person. They become mm-hmm. this. You know, uh, they just they embrace what they're doing. You know, they're, they're so passionate about it, and that's what's important is that you know the passion and the dedication and the time and effort and energy. You know, all these things play a, a very important role. It's not just the mask and the leathers and all Mad Max or you know Steve, uh, Steve Schultz playing Wes. You know, it's um there's they they they've spent you know they're almost you know. A, a portion of their life, almost a part of the life dedicated to something that we still can't explain. And that's fine. You know, we don't have to always be able to dissect every passion and every, every, uh, you know, every way of, 
seeing and you know understanding things. You know, these guys. Um, it's when you see Jim Tank and uh, on on sh- on show, and you know, he's just being Jim Tank. He's you know, Jim's the, the same person, whether he's you know, and the same personality. And um, but I think the passion that's you know the inner desire and and the creative juices that are flowing is what really brings out his his um, his true you know purpose you know what I mean like he's um he's such a and and we we saw that with Robbie and Italy we saw that with Yoshi uh from Japan as well and we see with a lot of people you know they um they're, they're so passionate they're so opening and and what and the best part of the whole experience was that it doesn't matter and I've said this over and over and I really want to make this you know a, a, an important element was that it doesn't matter where you're from your culture your background your religion your belief your faith these guys and girls are all one. You know, everyone mm. comes on board as one big cause and they just, they're all there, you know, for the one reason and the one passion. And sometimes you, we tend to forget that and we tend to miss that because, you know, whether you're working on a car and you restore it from every nut and bolt or whether you're, you're a costume cosplayer, you've all got, you know, we all have different passions and, you know, Jim really embraces that and encourages people to, to get out there, you know, get out there and do more and be more and just have fun, you know, and, and enjoy yourself. And, at the same time, live and breathe the Mad Max world, and that's what these guys are really proud of, and and we you know we love that. Speaking of living and breathing the Mad Max world, the film goes to the 40th anniversary of Mad Max, which was in Victoria. But you also attend the Wasteland Weekend, which is in uh, California in the states. I mean, this movie Beyond the Wasteland has a lot of different kind of like moments in it, where it's like it's a kind of like a sight to behold. Um, seeing G-Men like the full-on Lord Humongous gear is one of them. The uh, Mad Max Museum, um, that's also, uh, I think that's in Silverton. Um, that's another one that's quite something. I think um, that's Adrian and Linda Bennett who, who run that, and that's quite a sight to behold as well. But I think the most memorable moment in the documentary, for me anyway, in regards to visual aspect, is watching that convoy of, of cars, these machines of death, from the Mad Max movies that these fans have put all their resources and time into replicating and seeing them roar across the desert uh, towards your camera. It, it's quite something else. What was that experience like filming that scene and hanging out at the Wasteland Weekend with just all of these kind of like uh, Mad Max fans? I'm sure it would have been a hoot to be in there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So so the, the whole um, the, the whole US, we'll call it, to, you know, a leg of the tour. So we had, we were, we were on a very, you know, um, uh, you know, restricted time schedule as far as you know, five countries, five weeks, six weeks. Um, so, so at the time, Jared Butler, who is who's a co-organizer for Wasteland Weekend, we, you know, had had spent quite a bit of time, you know, uh, quite a number of months just trying to plan it all and put it all together. Um, so, what Jared did was he organized uh, a Wasteland Weekend car show, you know, so just to kind of give us a bit of a teasing and you know, almost an open invite, just you know, to because uh, Wasteland Weekend uh, is you know is uh, in September. Um, uh, September of you know um and, and it's an annual event um so we we spent quite a bit of time and we had this you know uh sort of exclusive you know wasteland weekend car show in April um but our schedule didn't really allow us to um we, we didn't have enough time to you know shoot come back and go back to the US so what we did was we we outsourced and um uh uh you know quite a as you saw, um, you know, a lot of footage from Wasteland Weekend uh, from the previous year uh, and also from the 2019 Wasteland Weekend. Um, so, you know, I was always, you know, I, I had always wanted to be there and I always wanted to experience it, but, you know, obviously, you know, timing and schedule and then, um, you know, everything else in between. Uh, but we had a lot of uh, filmmakers and 
Jared was was instrumental with helping us source footage just to just to get the word out there to show people that hey, this is the place. You know, this is almost uh, you know this is what the US uh, is proud and you know proudly represents for you know for the for the post apocalyptic universe. And it was it's very much Mad Max inspired. You know, that's um that was always the, the experience. Um, and there was um there was a lot of there's many many Australian fans who visit Wasteland Weekend annually as well, uh, you know, obviously with, within respect to COVID. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so we, and for me as a director, I, 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 uh, whether I was there or not, you know, um, I, I just wanted to, 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 to spread the word and show, and show people that, hey, this is a, this is a plot, you know, this is, this is what the US is doing to, in the spirit of Mad Max. And this is, um, this is how they, you know, how they, how they're proud, you know, and also even with um, Spud and Aries who literally have, you know, they live, um, you know, off somewhere in the Mojave Desert, you know, I'll say somewhere, um, which is not far from the Wasteland site, who, you know, basically live and breathe the Mad Max world. Um, even Adrian Bennett, Adrian Bennett and his, and his Linda wife, the most beautiful, amazing couple you can ever meet. Um, and they, um, you know, Adrian has a very, very special, unique story where he moved from the UK to to the outback and he wanted to live you know uh live sort of on the land you know where where the film was shot and and live in the wasteland and he built a museum and now he's expanding and it's growing and and i really highly encourage you to to visit you know the mad max 2 museum um in silverton which is you know a good half an hour from broken hill um Mm. but um yeah it was always you know it's uh yeah it was always you know, it, it, it was very inspiring to to um to experience all that because you know we we um we knew there was a lot going on. We knew people, you know, uh, different fans had different um, ways of interpreting, you know, their strong beliefs and strong support for the franchise. Um, but uh, yeah, as as you saw, uh, Matt, it's um you know there's there's a lot of uh, unique ways of of being proud and representing a franchise and representing a world that we all you know, should be a lot more aware of, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's very interesting. It's interesting in the film how you kind of try to tap into what the mythology is of the Mad Max series that really kind of speaks to people. And you reference uh, an author named Joseph Campbell. I think I believe he was also kind of like a philosopher. He kind of like um, he deals with um, uh, mythology and, and religion, etc. But one of his most well-known books is this book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces, and it, it kind of talks about, you know, the, the kind of like the hero mythology, et cetera. And, and George Lucas came out uh, when Star Wars was was big and said, yes, yeah, the works of Joseph Campbell was a big influence on, on his characters in that film. And George Miller also uh, said the same thing. Did you know anything about Joseph Campbell uh, prior to this? Because I got to I got to plead ignorance, to, uh, arrogance to it as well, because uh, I, I didn't know about him. But just reading up about him since watching a documentary, he's such an interesting man and his work's very interesting as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, look, I, I had, uh, you know, I do a lot of research uh, just with with all different elements of film and storytelling, and and I had come across Joseph's. Uh, I had come, I knew of Joseph Campbell, but I hadn't really spent too much time researching. Um, but I'm actually uh, reading *The Road with a Thousand Faces* at the moment. Um, and you know, it's a it's a it's a very extensive, compa- you know, it, it's it's a work where it's sort of com- you know, it's almost like a comparative mythology of different ways of storytelling and, you know, development and characters and, you know, um, and, and reflecting on life and, you know, and it's basically, you know, uh, almost discussing the, you know, the theory of, um, you know, the theory in mythology and like all the, you know, all the influences of, you know, life and, 
how how we how we see things, how we adapt. So it's a you know I'm I'm spending quite a bit of time with reading Hero with a thousand faces because I'm just dissecting and ripping pages out and making notes. And um, but yeah, definitely. So when we um, when uh, Stephen Sander, who was the editor for Beyond the Wasteland, uh, and myself spent and Phil, you know, spent a bit of time researching. You know, we wanted to know a little bit more about George. George's, you know, I get influence, you know, for um, for Mad Max, um, and also, you know, referencing, um, you know, George Lucas as well. Um, yeah, it seems like you know, there's, a, it's, you know, it's it's a, what I'm starting to learn, you know, especially you know, this being a first feature project, and you know, working on some other other feature length films, um, is that you, you know, understanding mythology and understanding, you know. Uh, life and you know and storytelling and and you know um uh you know writing and all these all these all these all these other elements uh really does have an influence you know um and it's a it's definitely something that i'm i'm you know very very um inspired and sort of appreciative of so i'm going to spend a lot more time but um yeah it was definitely good to you know to to sort of touch on um you know uh what uh george miller's you know, partly what his inspiration was for Mad Max, and you know, obviously, um, there was also references to, you know, the um, the oil crisis, and you know, mm-hmm. at the time, you know, sort of post-apocalyptic, you know, uh, you, you know, the um, and you know, uh, dystopian, you know, sort of world, and um, but yeah, no, it was it was definitely interesting. So it's 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 uh, I'm glad we had the 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 time to to reference that as well. Um, and 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 as you saw, Matt, there's there's uh, there's um, to the, some archival footage from Joseph Campbell, which we sourced through the Joseph Campbell Foundation as well, which was, um, you know, good to good to sort of mention that as well. I mean, he's such a fascinating uh, man, and his writing is really just from what I've come across so far is really fascinating as well. And I definitely want to delve into some of his books. The Hero of a, a Thousand Faces sounds incredible, and I can't wait to uh, to read it. Um, I just want to ask a final question. You and I are both big Mad Max fans. You know, you made a, a feature a documentary about uh, the film's impact and its fan base. I wanted to see whether if you could rank the four films in your preference from favourite to least. Um, well, I, for myself, number two is up is the first, is my favourite, um, The Road Warrior, and then it goes Fury Road, then the first Mad Max, and then uh, Mad Max uh, Part Three: Beyond Thunderdome. What about yourself, Eddie? What are your, what is your ranking of the Mad Max films? Yeah, um, look, Matt, I um, I definitely agree with your cho- your preference, your choice. Um, I think if I was to, uh, almost, you know, if it's all four films, yeah, including obviously, obviously, Fury Road was a whole different level of, uh, you know, filmmaking. You know, what I mean, and, um, uh, but as far as um. Uh, you know, I, I definitely, uh, I was definitely a fan of. Um, oh, you got me now because I, I was going to say Mad Max one, but now I'm sort of steering towards. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I've spent a lot more time. You know, you, you sort of, uh, yeah. I guess the more you adapt, you know, and uh, the more time you spend with fans, the more times you watch the films, the more you realise that you know, there's, it sort of cha- you know changes and moves around a little bit. You know, what I mean, um, and uh, but look, I. I think um I mean I I I adore Mad Max one because it's it's a it was the introduction to the Mad Max to the you know to um, the Mad Max universe to Max Rockefansky to all the characters you know um and to the you know this post dystopian world you know and also the fact that it really brought out you know the Australian outback you know and it was this world that not many people overseas knew about you know mm. um you know um 
And then I think, uh, you know, I, I mean, look, I, I must say, th- uh, you know, I've, I do have a place in my heart for Beyond Thunderdome, but it's definitely, you know, it's always going to be Mad Max 1, Mad Max 2, Fury Road. Just, I mean, yeah, Fury Road is, is a whole different level, you know. So if, if there was the first three, I would still, you know, I still, yeah, I'm still sort of Mad Max 1, 2 and then Thunderdome at the moment, you know, almost in that order, um, only because I just, I just appreciate that Mad Max 1 was, you know, the everything that you know evolved around it was always the foundations for this universe you know and um and then yeah other other than that i'm you know i, I look i did i did enjoy thunderdome you know it was definitely a, a different um you know not many fans have you know have the best reviews but you know everyone has their own review and everyone, everyone has their own belief um and you know and opinion towards it um but mad max 2 did really kick ass you know there was a lot that <laughs> you couldn't you know there was something about it and also with the introduction of Lord Humongous, you know, that of changed yes. the, uh, yes. you know, the antagonist and the, the you know, it just everything else, it, it just made it, you know, it went from here to there. You know what I mean? It really, really sort of, you know, works, works its way up the ladder. So, yeah. I think that last 30, 35 minutes of that movie, of, of part two, is uh, probably the best action filmmaking we'll ever see. On the screen, in, in, even even till now, I mean, it's such a fantastic film. The Mad Max films, I love all of them. Um, Thunder Thunderdome, like you know, I, I had some, my problems with it. You know, there was a lot of troubles with that production that people know of now, but um, that's a great film as well. And, and Beyond the Wasteland, also another great film that continues the uh, the Mad Max legacy, especially in regards to the fans' perspective. And for everyone out there listening, the premiere February fifth in Victoria at Coburg Village Driving, um, and also for everyone in my home state of New South Wales, it's actually going to be a, uh, a showing at Broken Hill, uh, which is really cool considering the, the lineage of Mad Max with, the, with that the territory as well. Um, and, and I will have in my show notes all the links to the Facebook page and to the Umbrella website as well so people can check out um, where they can watch Beyond the Wasteland because I can highly recommend people check this film out, especially if you're a Mad Max fan. Um, because it does great service, Eddie. I think you um, you did great service to the fans of Mad Max and to the legacy of the film. And I just want to say congratulations to you and best of luck with the upcoming uh, tour of the film. Um, you know, I'm sure people are going to love it. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much. And I um, just wanted to add as well, uh, with New South Wales, we do. So there's the Broken Hill Silver City Cinema screening, uh, but Saturday the 26th of February, uh, there's one at Event Skyline Driving in Blacktown as well in Sydney. Um um, so my, my geography isn't as as good as I want it to be for Sydney, but hopefully that's near and close for many you know many fans. Um, uh, but yeah, definitely. So that's um, that's another one to add. Um, and then also um, we're just waiting for Umbrella Entertainment to to announce the next stage. You know uh, whether it's uh, you know additional theaters or whether it's Blu-ray DVD awesome. or beyond them. But definitely, you know the word would uh, the word will spread. But at the same time. You know, we want to take it, uh, make the most of these special screenings, and um, and really just you know embrace this world. So yeah, thank you so much, Matt. Thank you for your time. 